remain standing for the reading of the scripture, which is found on page 874 in the Pew Bibles, Psalm 37, verses 1 through 9. Hear the word of God. Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. So the past couple weeks been quite a whirlwind for me. Well, not necessarily last week, but the week before. I started on a Saturday, and by the following Sunday, I had traveled 1,500 miles. I'd been on the same route of same part of I-70 four times, saw the same broken guardrail four times. It was, uh, I was getting tired of driving. But I um, had an interesting time that uh, I should write a book, 40 on 70. <laughs> That's a good idea. I think I'll do that. <laughs> oh, boy. I wasn't sure if that was God or Steve talking to me. I just heard this voice coming at me. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I had this really interesting encounter with two friends of mine, and I wanted to share it with you. And, and I knew later that night after I talked to them, I said, oh, this is going to be a sermon. And, well, here it is. Um, every year for the last, how many have I been going? Eight, nine years now, Tanya, I think? I've been going to Deep Creek, Maryland in April with uh, some friends, and we get together and, and we just... We do things like we play board games, I know, geek stuff, uh, video games, and we sit around the fire and talk, and it's just a lot of fun. It's a good time. People I used to work with, and um, we just gather for a couple of days in Maryland. Well, anyway, sitting around the fire one night, and they like to talk about religion every once in a while. I don't get involved, okay, unless they ask me. So, but this time I did speak up because one guy who claims to be an atheist, okay, he claims he's an atheist. He said, well, if there is a heaven, I believe the best way to get there is just be a good person. And you know what? Just being a good person is a good thing to do anyway. I couldn't take it. I looked at him and I said, by whose standard? He went, oh, and everybody around the fire is going, ooh. <laughs> and he's like, that's why I like talking religion with you, Phil. I said, it's not religion. I'm just asking whose standard is good. And then that sparked a huge conversation about what is good, who decides what's good. You know, if I were to take a tape measure and I measure the distance between these two pews right here, I could say, I don't know, it's probably three feet. Let's just say 37 inches, okay? Just a guess. 
And everybody would know what I was talking about because we understand the standard for an inch. We know approximately how big an inch is, and we know that standard, and you can take your own tape measure, you can take your own yardstick, you can measure, it's actually probably a little bigger than that, but anyway, you can measure it, and you would see that it is exactly that, because there's a standard, right? Now, if I did it in centimeters or meters, we'd probably say, okay, Google, what is, you know, what's the difference here? But there's still a standard for that, too. So what is the standard for good? Who decides how good you have to be? It's been decided, and it's in this book. And it also says that not a single one of us is good. There's a couple of times in that Bible where it says there is no one righteous. No, not one. No one does good. How does that make you feel? Well, we know the answer is that Jesus died for us. He's the only one who is good. He is the standard. He did not sin. We did not get into that part of the conversation, but it still got that guy thinking, who claims to be an atheist. He's talking about heaven, and he does have a moral standard. He wants to be good. He just doesn't know what that standard is, but he wants to be good. So he at least is now thinking. So later that evening, um, somebody comes up to me, a, a guy who has gone to church his whole life, and he says, hey, I want to ask you a religious question. And I hate that word, religious. But anyway, I said, okay, yeah, go ahead. And he's asking me about, um, I can't remember what it was now that he was talking to me about, but I could tell that he didn't quite understand what it meant to have a relationship with God when, when we, while we were talking. And I said, can I have just like, five minutes to, to tell you something? And he's like, sure, I'll listen to it. And I got about 15 seconds in, and he cut me off. Oh, yeah, I already know that. I, was, I started with the book of Genesis, and I said, you know, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were told not to eat from the tree, he's like, yeah, I, I know that story. I read that one. Okay, so can I explain it to you? My, yeah, and then I start talking. He cuts me off again, and I finally gave up. I said, I'm not going to get through to this guy. He, he knows. And he believes that he truly knows all that he needs to know to get to heaven. But it was very clear he doesn't have a relationship with the Lord. Now, is that required? No. Just believing. I believe that if he were to die today, we'd see him in heaven. Because he does believe. He did iterate to me that he does believe that Jesus died on the cross for his sins. But you can see in this man's young man's life the struggles that he has that it could be removed if he would just surrender to God and work on a relationship with him. So what's it mean to surrender? What does it mean to surrender to God? I mean, we say it all the time. We sing, I surrender all. How was that? Was that good? Yeah, hey, I'm going to be in the choir. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> but I did get a thumbs up from Mary Catherine and Steve. So anyway, we sing about it. We know that we need to surrender. But what does it mean to surrender? Well, there's this verse here, verse 5, in what we read this morning, Psalm 37. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. He will do it. So, trust in God, and he will do it. 
He will do all that stuff that, you know, he'll take care of you, he'll provide for you. But it is possible to not surrender to God. And God won't tell you unless you ask him. You see, God is not going to force you to do anything you don't want to do. He has given us this incredible freedom. And when I think about, you know, I talked to these two men, both very good friends of mine, and I could take this and say, listen to me, and beat him over the head, and just sit there and say, stop interrupting me, I'm going to tell you. I could do that. What good would it do? Because I cannot take away their choice to believe what they want to believe. God's not going to take it away from them. He's going to let them believe what they want to believe. I can't take it away. I can't take away anything that you believe. I can try to teach and explain, but you have to make that choice to believe what's written in that book. So that is the first part of surrender, is believing. Because when you believe, you are saying to God, I realize that I'm not good enough by your standard. I realize that I may not know it all by your standard. I realize that I need you. So that's the first part of surrender, is recognizing that we need a Savior, that we need God in our lives. And pride was at work in one person. I already know all that. Unbelief was at work in the other person who happened to grow up in a Catholic church and was, went to a Catholic school and completely rejected it all. And I'm sure there's probably more to the story than I know, but that's why he claims to be an atheist, because he just won't believe the things that he was taught. He refuses to believe it. There could be other things involved in that, but neither one of them were fully surrendered to the Lord. So it got me asking God, am I fully surrendered? And you know what? There were things in my life that he brought up that I still need to surrender. And I'm sure that if we all ask God right now, God, show me something where I can surrender more. And I know somebody's saying, I don't want to ask that because I know what the answer's going to be. And you don't want to give it up. But when we do, we find freedom. Incredible freedom. Not in the freedom that we can't even really explain, you can only experience it. Now, it doesn't sound logical. You surrender and you lose your freedom, right? You know, police come up behind you, put your hands up, you surrender. Or people in a war that lose the war, they surrender, they lose their freedom. But it's different with God. When we surrender our lives to him, we find freedom. Isn't that odd to think about? But it is true, because when we do, this is what he does, what David told us in Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Live in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He will bring out your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. 
Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. When we give it to God, God is sitting there waiting for the day we say, I surrender it, God, I really do. I don't know what it means, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because that says, God, my choice that you've given me is not as great as what you can give to me in return. So my choice is to give it to you. And he gives back. It's like if you go to an ATM and you type in your number, you type in the amount you want, you get something back, right? Well, God's not an ATM. Don't think that I'm trying to make that correlation. But when you give your life to him, not just your debit card, you give your life to the Lord, he gives back to you more than you can ever imagine. More than you can ever imagine. And part of that is freedom. So how do I know if I'm surrendered? Ask. Pray. That's how we communicate with God. And God does speak to us in return. We can hear his voice. We can know when he's talking. But if you say, I already know, or I don't believe, but I'm going to ask God anyway, because Phil said to, well then, God's not going to talk back because you haven't surrendered. So when you really, really, really want to surrender to God, and you have surrendered to God, then you will get something in return. A new life. A new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And it's not all rainbows and unicorns from that point on. In fact, it's going to get tougher. Now, wait a minute. You surrender to get freedom. You get this freedom, and then it gets tougher? Yeah, you know why? Because the enemy that is against us will be bombarding you, trying to make you change your mind, trying to lead you back into sin, trying to lead you into darkness, like slip, like I was telling the kids. But if you continue to commit to God and surrender to him, he will protect you from that. He will keep you from falling. And when you do fall, he'll pick you back up. But we've got to start with surrender, and it's so important. We've got to say to him, I may not understand what it means, Lord, but I really do surrender all. And I promise you, if you do this, you will see a difference. You will see a difference. So if you're struggling, surrender it to God. I have talked to people who have come to me and say, well, you know, you know they, they've got one problem, but what it turns out is they've got some kind of financial problem. They don't want to tell me about it, but it always comes out. Not always, but sometimes. But I always say to them, surrender your finances to God. What do you mean? Just say, God, look, if you ask me to give money in church, I'll do it. If you ask me to save money, I'll do it. You ask me to not spend money, I'll do that. When you say these things to God, and you know that you just get this feeling, you get this thought, there's many ways God talks, you know he's saying, do or don't do, and you, then you have to, you try to talk yourself out, well, if I give that money to that person, I'm not going to have it for food, right? So most people will say, well, I'm, maybe next week when I get paid. But if you do it anyway, knowing that you may not have enough money for food, guess what's going to happen? There's a couple verses or a couple passages in this Bible where 
Jesus passed out food and fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. You think he can't make sure you're taken care of too with a little bit of money? And you know what? They always come back and say, you were right. I did what I thought God was saying to do or held on to the money when God said, don't spend it on that new car or whatever it may be. And I got more money than I know what to do with. God does that. Not just money, healing. If you need healing, if you got something, it just pain won't go away. Surrender it to God. Believe that he can do it. Is there anything he can't do? We just heard how many testimonies about cancer being cured. People are cancer-free. And yes, I said cured, because I believe he won't get cancer again. God can take care of that little pain if you surrender it to him and believe that he can. What is he looking for? He's looking for us to give back to him what he gave us. He gave us life. He gave us choice. He said, you're free to do what you want. But just don't eat from that one tree. And they did. And now we deal with the consequences, but we still are free. We still have a choice. And he wants us to just give that life back, give that choice back, because he can do better than we can. Can you let go of the wheel? Can you let go of control? Can you let God lead your life? You will be pleased if you did. Surrender. It's so important. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for teaching us to surrender. And now, Father, if we are struggling with understanding to our hearts and let us know what we need to surrender, wherever it is, whatever it is in our lives, whatever area, where we need to surrender, we ask you to teach us and help us to both have the faith to surrender and then have the courage to know that you will take care of us. Even when it looks like things are falling apart because we surrendered, that they're just falling into part. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.